High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, time travelers, beatniks, dentists, and doo-wop singers out there. Oh, and an extra special shout-out to those who believe in fate today. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the party's at my place this evening. But first, school is still in session. This was your assignment, and I would like to see the results. How did you guys enjoy Assassination Nation last week? What a crazy film. I got some really positive response on social media, though. And thanks again, Joey, for introducing me to the film, and by proxy, introducing you guys, the slumberers, to the movie. That's that's one that's going to stick with me. But speaking of social media, don't forget to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and the Insta, of course. All at High School Slumber Party. Really easy to find. I love hearing from you guys, so keep up the good work. And of course, as always, subscribe, rate, review, wherever you get your podcasts. That and telling a friend is the best way you can keep the slumber party going all night long and then some. So this week... This week's a really fun one. As you guys know, I am part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. That's cageclub.me, cageclub.me. And this week, well, we actually get to talk about a Nicolas Cage film. Big moment for us. The film is Peggy Sue Got Married. And my guest this week, well, she's a really, really, really awesome writer. She writes on that site, Pajiba, which is a great site if you don't follow it. And follow her, too. Her name's Kate Hudson, and I'm telling you, she's super talented and super hilarious. And, well, probably most importantly for this podcast, she loves this film. Well, slumberers, you know what that sound means. Pack your favorite jammies. Tell your mother you're sleeping over Brian's. Because we're about to get our party on. I leave you with, well, what else would I leave you with? Peggy Sue got married. Buddy Holly. It could be Buddy Holly and the Crickets. I'm not sure, but I know it's definitely Buddy Holly. Class dismissed. Please don't tell. No, no, no. Don't say that I told you so. I just heard a rumor from a friend. Don't say that it's true I'll just leave that up to you If you don't believe I'll understand 
hand You recall a girl that's been in nearly every song This is what I heard Of course the story could be wrong She's the one I've been told Well, she's wearing a band of gold Peggy Sue got married not long ago It's kind of weird, but I feel like we have to address this. As I see you address it a lot of places, that you're not the most famous Kate Hudson. Well, I disagree with that. I think I am by far the most famous Kate Hudson. <laughs> just just so you know, in my mind, I am the most important, famous person in the world. Well, I was laughing because I was reading uh, an article you wrote, and I did not know that Katy Perry is also named Kate Hudson. This is really freaky, but we have the same birthday, too. That's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's like a whole like cabal of Kate Hudsons out there that I think we're all sleeper agents and one day we're going to be activated for like God knows what. But yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. Like, it really is. It's so weird. And you know what's weirder? Those two women specifically have the most like ardent fans that if you dare say one thing against them, you're going to get just called horrible names for a week. <laughs> it's like the weirdest people have the weirdest fans. Like you would, you could talk like crap about The Rock all day, every day, and people are just going to shrug. But God forbid you say something about Johnny Depp and then like seriously, it's all over. <laughs> it's insane. People are weird. It is weird. Because it's not, yeah, it's not necessarily like the most popular, like the coolest person. Just you're right. Some people just have these hardcore fan bases. You apparently being one of them as one of the Kate Hudsons. Well, yeah, but I'm a lesser Kate Hudson. Just I'm working my way up there. One of these days, like two Kates are going to enter a room and only one Kate will leave, and my <laughs> money's on me. Just other Kate Hudson fans out there, no, it will be me who wins. <laughs> I fight dirty. <laughs> Consider the gauntlet thrown. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I'm coming for the other Kates. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. You've definitely enlightened me on the Kate Hudson history, and I do appreciate that. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> so for, uh, for those of you who don't know, this Kate Hudson, every week we introduce our guests uh, in the same way on High School Slumber Party. And what we do is we say our name, the high school we went to, graduating class optional because we're not ageist here. You could say it if you want. And what your high school team name was. Okay. Well, my name's Kate Hudson. I am East Anchorage, class of 2002, and our mascot was the Thunderbirds. Ooh, I like that one. That's cool. In my high school, we had a big Thunderbird, why can't I say that word? Thunderbird mural on the floor in one of our hallways, and you weren't allowed to walk on it. Because this was the 90s, like, you could get shoved or hit if you walked on it, because it was bad luck. Oh, wow. Yeah, dude. That's serious. (laughs) Hey, Alaska, like, it's no joke. Which is, by the way, it was funny because all of our sports teams sucked, so it's not like it jinxed them. (laughs) Like, it was just dumb. Was this kind of like a Native American-inspired Thunderbird, or was it like a really, like, America Thunderbird? Like, what did the Thunderbird look like? It was definitely Native Alaskan-inspired, like, for sure. But I gotta be honest, so I have a terrible memory, like, terrible. (laughs) And so I barely remember what it looked like. I think our colors were blue and red. Well, if you have a terrible memory, you're not going to like the next question because it... Uh, oh, God. <laughs> well, I always ask my first-time guest, what was your high school experience like? What, what was Kate in high school? Oh, God. Everyone's going to hate this answer. Like, I kind of liked high school. 
I got along really well with everybody. <laughs> We've got that a couple times. Like, was, don't worry. Right? Like, I liked it because I gamed the system. So I graduated a year early because the writing was on the wall for me <laughs> and my social circle. But, like, my last year of high school, like, I don't think there was one week I went to every single class. And I still graduated like top, I think I was number 15 out of a class of like two or 300. Wow. I gamed it, dude. You got to game the system. It is the best way. Like, yeah. It is. Like I, I don't look back and like think unfondly. Like junior high is a different story, but high school, I'd go back and do it all over again if I had, well, not all over because that's just, I don't want to be a teenager again, but I I go back for a little bit just to like experience it again. Like why not? Would you go back after your husband is divorcing you and you go to your reunion and get into some kind of accident and relive the plot of the film we're talking about today? Uh, a thousand percent, especially if I get to be Nick Cage's like, <laughs> like done. Because you know, if, if like you're married to Nick Cage, like you're going to wake up on a bed of like crystal elephant or something <laughs> in like a blackout that room. so true. <laughs> It's like, this is, I mean, in that movie that we're talking about today, he's even like kind of normal, which is even better. Yeah, I mean, on the, the rainbow of Nicolas Cage characters, I would say it's more in his normal range, but certainly not as normal for some other people. But we'll definitely get, get into that. <laughs> um, were you involved in anything in high school? I mean, drama, but I mean, creating drama, not actually drama club. <laughs> like... No, I was I was a little twerp. So I looked older than I was. So I spent most of my free time going down to the mall and flirting with the guys who worked at the record store. Like, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, well, not for my parents, <laughs> but for me, it was awesome. <laughs> like, I had like I had my best friends who I'm so obnoxious. They're still my best friends to this day. So I'm one of those people that has had the same friends since they were seven years old. And we just we just had fun. Like I don't remember us taking any of it seriously. And somehow we still managed to get good grades. So it was a good experience for me. Like you said, you game the system apparently and you won high school. Like, <laughs> I don't know how I did it. This is so obnoxious. So somehow I convinced my teachers. So from 10th grade on, I didn't have to go to first period and I could have an independent whoa, study whoa, where whoa, I watched whoa. movies. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Dude. Back up. Dude. <laughs> you didn't have to go to first period. You had an independent study where you watched movies. Please explain because now, I mean, I was intrigued. I was very intrigued. But now I'm like, I talked to a lot of people at their high school experience. This is a first. I need to know. What the hell? I don't know how I did it, but I remember, so my high school offered independent study and they were dumb enough to always let me insist it was first period. So we had this little lounge area. So I had our VHS and our um, TV consistently rented out on first period. So no one else could. So literally everyone would be leaving the high school lounge to go to their classes and I'd just be sitting on our couches watching a movie. And then I think I had to write an essay after the end of each movie but i doubt i did <laughs> to be honest like i don't know how i did it and then this is even more obnoxious i think i got to write off some of my other periods so i could drive to the library and rent movies for my independent study oh man i i don't even know what to say i am so jealous of that <laughs> Well, I mean, you could have done it too, I imagine, if you just refused to accept the premise of what you were told you had to do. The closest thing I ever did to that was in my senior year, we had this thing called a uh, work study. Uh, they realized that a lot of kids were like cutting class the senior year. So <laughs> they let people do like volunteer projects in lieu of cutting class. 
and everyone had these volunteer projects that were as long as school and sometimes if not harder and I decided I'm like if 80% of the senior class is leaving on these volunteer projects and it's terrible I should have volunteered but I realized that if all these kids are leaving they really can't teach right because classes would only have three or four people (gasps) so the last two weeks was literally every class just putting in movies and watching movies and again school's over by that point anyway but that was specifically the reason why i did not volunteer because i'm like i just can watch movies for the last like month or two of school so uh, that's the closest i ever got to that but it doesn't beat yours (laughs) i you know you just you can't accept the premise if you don't want to buy into it. That's all I can say. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's great. That's that's a Hall of Fame level high school experience story. <laughs> I really appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm gonna. If I ever have kids, I'm gonna get it back in drums. <laughs> so uh, every week, I ask my guests uh, another question too, and we're at the slumber party right now. We're about to talk about a fun movie. What sleeping bag theoretically would you bring to this? slumber party today and you can invent any sleeping bag you want you know or it could be a real sleeping bag okay so if i have to answer this like in a contemporary high school slumber party i wouldn't have brought one and then just taken yours <laughs> um that's a new answer i really i'm like really painting a picture here <laughs> but if i'm really so if i if i wasn't that jerk and i actually came with my own sleeping bag I'm sure it'd be like an old Star Wars sleeping bag that was my older brother's because I would never have thought to that I would need a sleeping bag. That makes sense. And still, if you brought one, the old Star Wars one, you're going to get the approval from everyone. So that's a win. But if it's a real slumber party, you're not going to use it because you're going to be goofing off all night and probably leaving the house to go do something weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you definitely had a very cool slumber parties. Not just like (laughs) everyone in their My Little Pony sleeping bags, just like going to bed at eight o'clock after having some popcorn. No, (laughs) who had those? Just joking. I don't know. I imagine some people. Those people weren't cool enough to get invited to such parties. (laughs) Very good point. (laughs) So when I reached out to you about doing this show, because I I had read a couple of your articles and I thought they were awesome, I asked you what movie would you want to be on? And I loved your answer because you were like, hmm, let me think about it. And then maybe like 30 seconds or a minute later, you just threw out two choices. You're like, never mind, I don't have to think about it. And one of them was Peggy Sue Got Married. I love that movie. (laughs) I was like, done. I love it. And the two movies you suggested, this one, and um just one of the guys so good both of them had no signed up guests so it wasn't even i was like perfect done like how how is that possible you have like a million episodes and nobody wants to talk about this movie surprising but you know what i i think we're gonna do it some good justice here where i we'll discuss towards the end of why maybe it's not remembered by everyone but look i saw it and i had not really seen it i had seen it on TV years ago and I could not remember anything of it. So this was my first like adult rewatch oh. and exceeded my expectations. But, you know, well, and we'll definitely talk about all the reasons why. So, but I want to know why did you pick Peggy Sue Got Married? Why was it like one of the first thoughts that came out of your head? It is honestly one of my favorite movies of all time. Like seriously, I probably watch it at least once a year. And I probably first saw it. If it came out in 1986, I probably first saw it in 1987 wow. when I was three years old. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I love this movie. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> and every time you watch it, the, like the older you get, the more you start to like identify with Peggy as opposed oh, to yeah. just being like, right? Like time travel is cool. And I was like, oh shit. Like my grandparents are dead now. Ooh. Like this is like, ah. Uh. 
Yeah, no. Like, it becomes more bittersweet. On this watch, there was a lot of, like, I would call heavy moments for me mm-hmm. that I wasn't expecting to feel. You know? Yeah. Well, don't forget who directed it. Like, that's Francis Ford yeah. Coppola. Oh, yeah. And it, it... You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, and that was a surprising thing to me, too. So, like, at the movie theater, like, where I grew up, there was, like, an AMC. They had, like, these murals of famous directors and a film that they did. And we used to always laugh because they were great directors, but they would always pick films that they weren't most known for. Like Spielberg was Indiana Jones, but it was Temple of Doom. And Ugh. being film nerds, we were like, what? And I forgot, there's a couple other directors there. You're like, that movie? And Coppola's film that they decided to do the mural of was Peggy Sue Got Married. And it was always kind of like a butt of some jokes to me and my friends. Like, you know, this, <sighs> is, the, this is the director of The Godfather. Not that we thought the movie was bad, because honestly, we weren't too familiar with it. But we were like, what? Like, not Godfather, not Apocalypse Now. Peggy Sue got married, but you know what? I might have to take that back. I hope you do. <laughs> you know, but he won't talk about that movie that much because he's still pissed off at Nicolas Cage, from what I know. Are you serious? Yeah, because of the voice he used. Oh, he thinks, oh my God. Yeah, because Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I can't do voice. Like, but he talks like a goofy, like a goofy kid. Well, I, I read that he modeled it after Pokey from Gumby. Full bartender. One chocolate milkshake without ice cream and one oatmeal shake, please. Like, if you're Yeah, I can see that. Which is, oh, yeah. oh my god. <laughs> it makes so much sense. It's like he blames Nicolas Cage for that movie not being considered a classic because of that goofy voice, as far as I know. So like wow. he like that's why they never worked again as far again as far as I know. But then again, like if your nephew is screwing up your game and you're Francis Ford Coppola, take him aside the first day and be like, cut it out. Well, you know what I mean? I'm so like, glad you told me that because there's so many like so many things are clicking now. This is going to be a beautiful episode because like the stuff I have and I feel like the stuff you have, we're gonna figure this movie out to a level <laughs> that no one else has ever done. So I should mention and I mentioned it to you off air that. We're on the Cage Club podcast network, and this network started with two guys doing shows about Nicolas Cage movies. So this is this is a big episode for me because I get to I get to impress the bosses, if you will, with a Nicolas Cage <laughs> film. And um, I assume you're a Nicolas Cage fan. I love him so much. Like people love him. Ironically, I love him with all of my heart. Well, be prepared to guest on some episodes from the Mothership because they're gonna love hearing that. <laughs> uh, please, because you know Con Air is like literally. My my favorite movie of all time. Great movie. Are you also a Cusack fan? I love John Cusack. He was my first crush. Yes. (laughs) So Cusack has a little history with this show. I love John Cusack too. Like High Fidelity is my favorite movie. And the first film we ever did, well, one of my favorite movies, the first film we ever did on this show was Better Off Dead, which I love Better Off Dead. Me too. But in the first week of this show existing, similar to Coppola not wanting to talk about this film, John Cusack refuses to talk about Better Off Dead. He's gotten a little better, like a little bit better over the years. Yes, but I tweeted at him. I said, "Hey, John Cusack, no, I love Better I Off do. Dead. Why do you why do you dislike it?" Blocks me. I love John Cusack on film. John Cusack on Twitter is bananas, <laughs> and it's not a, it's not no. He he's cray. Like it pains me to say this, but no, no. No, no. But you know there's a Cusack connection to Peggy Sue Got Married, right? What's that? Peggy Sue's mom plays John Cusack's mom in Gross Point Blank, another high school reunion movie. You're right. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I need you around, like, all the time. Like, this, <laughs> you with these facts, <laughs> this is amazing. I love it. Oh, that is a good one. That is a good one. The film nerd deep in me. Deep cut there. Yeah, deep cut. Love it. Oh. <laughs> 
Thanks but no, on. don't seriously don't ever tweet John Cusack. That should be everybody's I learned my lesson. advice. I learned yeah. my lesson. <laughs> You're not missing anything on his tweets now. His whole thing now is accusing random people of being robots. Like unironically. <laughs> and I had to unfollow him. Oh, I like unfollowed him. Wow. We've been begging our audience to get us back in his good graces, but I don't think it's gonna happen from what everyone tells me and from what you're saying now. He's just a monster on Twitter. He's just unhinged. Like, he's not Lloyd Dobler. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) He's let Lloyd Dobler down. (laughs) Definitely good to know. And I feel a little bit better about the blocking. Because, again, I love John Cusack, so it was really disappointing. (laughs) I think John Cusack loves John Cusack most of all, is my (laughs) impression. (laughs) He's going to block me now, and I'm going to be upset. If he listens to this podcast but still blocked me, I would be very confused, but also very flattered, so that'd be okay. I'm sorry if you have to get blocked for it, but I'd be okay with that. <laughs> I mean, it's only a matter of time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's dive in. Um, Peggy Sue got married. This is going to be a fun one to talk about. Good to know. Um, the Rotten Tomatoes for this by the critics is 85%, which is a really good score. But for some reason, the audience score is 55%. And you usually don't see that. That's a big disconnect. And I don't know. Like I said, I really liked it. So maybe we'll figure out maybe reasons why some people don't. My theory would be is that Nicolas Cage is just full on now. So people go back to his earlier cuts and just there's not flaming skulls and rain of blood. So maybe they were expecting that. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, it's, it's always hard to go back on those rotten tomatoes when it's not a contemporary movie, because who is going to rate that unless somebody who really loves it or really hates it. It's so true. Like, and th- that's why they're not the Bible and people get mad at me for saying it all the time. But I like to bring it up because it's just interesting to me. It's, it's interesting for the exact reasons you said, like there are reasons that these, films get these scores and unfortunately in today's day and age a bad rotten tomato score could make someone just not watch a film which is so dumb i actually the moment they made me an accredited reviewer because of pajiba i was like oh so rotten tomatoes is completely nonsense (laughs) (laughs) i should not be reviewing anything my opinion should not count for anything like come on accredited reviewer that's awesome well congratulations as much as (laughs) you shit on it (laughs) it's it's honestly a joke for the other like legitimate pajiba reviewers as well because i'm like my takes on things are terrible they're terrible taste <laughs> it's like it does a disservice to everybody when i'm an accredited reviewer <laughs> okay tell me how that works could you review anything and it builds in the algorithm i think because i write for a domain that they just decided has authority anytime i tag something as a tv review or a movie review they automatically like grab it oh so it's- cool so I it's can so use weird. I can use you to game the system. I mean, theoretically. yeah, but you got to pay me first. <laughs> They're fine. I mean, whatever whatever your price is, okay. Yeah. Skulls, is... I don't care. Like I just there's certain things that that need to be fixed. Yeah. I mean, this is why I do a disservice to all the other legitimate reviewers <laughs> over there because they would never say pay me and I'll give something a good review. <laughs> but I, I can definitely be bought for sure. <laughs> You heard it here first, guys. If you want to buy a, a, an accredited review on Rotten Tomatoes, contact Kate Hudson. One of Please the do. many Kate Hudsons. But contact I mean, Kate Hudson. Yeah, or the other Kate Hudsons. I'm sure. I honestly think their opinion probably holds more sway with the internet than mine. <laughs> 
Just, yeah, we can be bought. It's fine. <laughs> so we mentioned Coppola as the director. This is the second Coppola film we've done on this podcast. We also did The Outsiders. And uh, the funny story from The Outsiders is that Nicolas Cage begged his uncle here, Nicky Coppola, uh, begged his uncle to get on The Outsiders, and his uncle just refused. I remember like he locked himself in a hotel room for three days so he could like me- method one of the characters and drink just wi- whiskey. And he came out of the hotel room and his uncle was like, yeah, still no. And he's uh, he has a repu- had a reputation of always begging his uncle to get into films. So <laughs> I-, I laugh now because you say that like Coppola wasn't happy with it. And I'm like, oh boy. So I could just see that. Like, you know, you do your family member a favor and you're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> but like, that's on him. Like, it's not <laughs> like it was a surprise. Like, who was behind the camera? Like, come on. And we can kind of see this from some of his films. I think he has a hard time directing his family at some points. I don't think he likes to say no to his family. So I, I don't know. <laughs> then don't cast them. Like He tried. He tried. <laughs> I don't even want to shit on Nicolas Cage in this movie because I think he's perfect. I love him. He was one of my first crushes because of this movie. So. <laughs> Blah! Blah! History of this film, though, does, well, it does get a little convoluted. Jonathan Demme was the first director hired. And he brought on Deborah Winger to star. Ugh, that would have been terrible. <laughs> but Jonathan Demme was fired, and Deborah, God. Deborah Winger suggested Penny Marshall. And <gasps> Penny Marshall, she... which would have been great, right? Like, I thought yeah, I she... it would have been really good. You can see Penny Marshall all over this movie now that you say that. Absolutely. And Penny Marshall's first choice, actually, was Tom Hanks to play in the, um, the Cage role here. Mm-mm. The movie gained too much uh, steam, if you will. Like, the studio was really, really liking it. And can you believe they actually fired Penny Marshall because they didn't think that she could handle a movie this big at that time? Wait, wait, wait. You mean a man fired a woman (laughs) because he didn't think she was capable of handling? I am shocked. That is shocking. Perfect, right? Yeah, I was like, oh. (laughs) So Penny Marshall got fired, and then Deborah Winger got fired as well because they were completely retooling it when they brought along Coppola. The other choice potentially for, well, there's a bunch of choices for the Cage role were uh, Sean Penn, which Ugh. many people have called him the worst on this podcast. So probably he is just, yeah, he looks like a human ashtray. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other two were Steve Gutenberg, which would have been interesting. God, ugh, <laughs> no! And Dennis Quaid. <gasps> Yeah. <laughs> I would have accepted Dennis Quaid in this role. He would not have been as good as Nicolas Cage, but I would have accepted him. Tom Hanks is too nice for it. That's what I was going to say, right? Like, we have a, another show on this network, Hanks for the Memories, actually hosted by the Cage Club guys. And that's something from being on that show, not that I didn't know before then, but like, I extra specially know now that, like, I can't see Tom Hanks being a jerk. Even when he tries to be a jerk, he's not a jerk. That doesn't mean he's not a good actor. He's just too endearing. So I don't know if that would have been a good role for him. This is going to be kind of mean. I also don't see him being the guy you lose your virginity in high school to either. <laughs> like, I, that's probably mean. But... No, I love it though. You're right. Because like, I can't picture that. <laughs> right? Like He's someone who lost his virginity like junior year of college with his girlfriend of like three years. Like That's how that happened. But Cage, Cage, like you, yeah, I could see it. <laughs> 
Dennis Quaid for sure, but like even more Dennis Quaid back then because that's inner space years. Like, come on, there's no way he was a virgin as a senior in high school. <laughs> like, he was too smoldering. So I think personally, I am going to disagree with Francis Ford Coppola. I think Nicolas Cage is perfect in this movie. Blonde hair and goofy voice and all. I love him. <laughs> oh, the voice. That's like when you look up reviews again. That's the thing most people talk about. Which, if that's why he doesn't like it, if it's because like it distracted from the film, okay. But like you said, he could have just been like, could you not do that voice? Seriously, <laughs> like the first time in the first take to act like it's a surprise <laughs> when the movie comes out. It's just like, were you drunk the entire time? It's like, yeah, hey, buddy, uh, hey, nephew, why are you talking like that? <laughs> or like, if you don't want to do it, Kathleen Turner strikes me as the type of person who, who would have been like, cut this shit out. Oh, like, apparently she did. Oh, I, I read that too, actually. Yeah. I love her. Let's I not ignore her. the fact, like, we're talking about Cage a lot, because I know you like Cage, and this is the Cage Club Podcast Network, but this is Kath- Kathleen Turner's film. And Kathleen Turner oh, for sure. is awesome she's so good she's so good although i did the math this rewatching, she's only 32 in this movie really doesn't she just strike you as someone who is always eternally like lauren bacall like always like 38 like she still looks 38 absolutely to me now. that's okay so helen hunt is in this film and she plays the daughter but i yeah. i never saw helen hunt as like a teenager or like think of her that way you know oh then you mm. for me it's like mad about you helen hunt i was confused why mad about you helen hunt was hanging out with this Kathleen Turner here. Well, that's honestly the difference between a dude and a chick because girls just want to have fun is an amazing movie. And oh. <laughs> early 80s Helen Hunt is where it's at. Good to know. I definitely have to check early 80s Helen Hunt out. But uh, oh, Kathleen Turner, yeah. Nicolas Cage ended up suing her somewhat recently. <gasps> right? Yeah, Did when she had this? her memoirs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. she claimed he got arrested for stealing a dog or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently that's not true. I don't know. I believe her a thousand percent. I do believe her, yeah. Well, he just always has money trouble, so it's probably (laughs) easier. Like, Kathleen Turner strikes me as someone who, like, made good choices with her finances. It's probably easier to, like, cut him a check for $25,000 to drop the lawsuit than to, like, go through with it. Yeah, I mean, and I do side with Kathleen Turner here. She was, like, shitting on a lot of people, I think, when this memoir came out, because I remember there was a whole thing with, like, the Friends cast, and she said she didn't feel, like, welcome on it. There was something else. There was a lot of, like, Kathleen Turner sound bites around this time. Yeah! <laughs> I love it when they shit on everyone else in Hollywood. I yeah, love I'm it. I'm not going to complain. Because <laughs> I live in Los Angeles. People are terrible here. Like, we're all selfish assholes. And, like, compound that by a thousand for celebrities and actors. Like, they're all terrible to each other. So let's just let that, like, spill that tea. Come on. Ugh, confirming all my worst fears about LA. It's terrible. Like, truly <laughs> terrible. Ugh. So I wanted to read the quote that Kathleen Turner specifically said about this film and The Voice uh, and Nicolas Cage. It was tough not to say cut it out, but it wasn't my job to say to another actor what he should or shouldn't do. Ah, you should have said it. So I went to Francis and asked him, you approve of this choice? It was very touchy. He was very difficult, Nicolas Cage, on set, but the director allowed what Nicolas wanted to do with the role, so I wasn't in the position to do much except play with what I'd been given. If anything, Cage's portrayal only further illustrated my character's delusionment with the past. The way I saw it was, yeah, he was that asshole. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Like, bless her. She tried to, like, spin his crappy acting choices into a narrative that worked for her. So (laughs) that, like, it's impressive. But I like the voice. I do. Mm. (laughs) Honestly, it didn't take me out of it so much. Also, just because it's... it's (laughs) 
cage, you know? I get it. I've, like, read a lot about his process, and this makes complete sense with his but process. You're, but you're saying that from 2019. This That's movie why. came out in 1986. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he was just, I think, I forget if Moonstruck came out before or after, no, but, like, after. he was, right? Like, he's, like, this indie darling. This is his, like, golden time when he's just, like, this award-winning, like, celebrated, like, indie guy. And then he does this on his like first like real big budget headlining movie like it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like what what it's so yeah true. <laughs> uh, yeah and you know like there's not this internet back then obviously there's not people reading so much about films or you're kind of alluding to this is the first time a lot of people see Nicolas Cage and they're like this guy is an interesting <laughs> voice <laughs> I love him. Like, and the thing is, is like, don't forget that this is only three years removed from Valley Girl, which is where he's the hot punk rock kid. <laughs> and like, he does this. You know what I mean? Like, he's going from teen sort of like, he was John Cusack before John Cusack was John Cusack. Like, he's like the, you know, like the thinking girls pinup. And then he dyes his eyebrows blonde. And he speaks like, I don't even know. Like, he got hit in the head by a horse at eight years old. Like, it's just a phenomenal thing and if you can accept it then your life is just better for it you know i agree <laughs> quick people who are in this cast we mentioned kathleen turner we mentioned nicholas cage uh barry miller joan allen which is cool okay you just said barry miller like everybody knows who barry okay. miller is sorry film snobbing <laughs> like nobody knows who barry miller is except for you and barry miller <laughs> Like somewhere in the force it just pinged with him and he just like smiles to himself. <laughs> Somebody said my name. Well, well, Barry Miller, you're welcome to come on this podcast and tell everyone else why you're so great. I don't know. He's, he's going to block you now for that. If he does, wow, he can just join the list of John Cusack and Barry Miller. <laughs> the notables, as I mentioned, Joan Allen, Jim Carrey, which I did not remember he was in this film. Yeah, he's the cocaine dentist. <laughs> oh, can you... Or at the time, get cocaine as a dentist? Dude, as far as I know, you still can get cocaine as a dentist. Really? I did not know that that was something they used in dentistry. Yeah. Yeah, still. yeah, yeah. It's a topical anesthetic. It's highly controlled. There's only, as far as, I don't know why I know so much about this. Or <laughs> at least speaking so authoritatively, like I know so much about this. But like there's one like laboratory in America that makes all of our pharmaceutical grade cocaine. Wow. Last I checked, which was probably like three or four years ago. And I just have to tell you something. I'm somebody who just speaks authoritatively and I could be completely wrong just doesn't so you know matter. doesn't matter but i'm it. so convinced i'm right but no as far <laughs> as i know and i do ask every new dentist i get can you get me cocaine and they're always like i can but i'm not going to <laughs> oh so, okay so you verified my facts i'm like i didn't know dentists could do that but it's a really good topical like, anesthetic <laughs> That must be a fun icebreaker with a new dentist. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they always are like, well, now you don't get any general anesthesia for your dental work, Kate Hudson. <laughs> oh, that's great. And then not a lot of other people I recognized. Uh, Helen Hunt, we mentioned. There's Lisa Jane Persky. She was in a bunch of 80s movies. And then the hot guy was in Widows this year. But he wasn't hot anymore. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Which one was the hot yeah, guy? The hot guy, the the poet kid. What was it? Oh sure yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget his name. But he's like been in a few like hot guy movies, but now like seriously he is not like bless him. I don't want to say that. It's mean, but he's not hot anymore. <laughs> he was the bowling alley guy in Widows. Gotcha. Wow, that's interesting. And I only noticed him because of Peggy Sue. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, now I see Lisa, Lisa Jane Persky. Yeah, I've definitely seen her in other stuff as well. And then, uh, what's her face? Sophia Coppola's Sophia Nancy, Coppola. her little sister. Yeah. And, you know, just continuing the tradition of Francis Ford Coppola putting his daughter in every film at that point. In The Outsiders and all the, not all the previous Coppola films, but all the previous Coppola films that she was alive for, she's credited as Domino, which is fun and interesting. But this is the first time she's credited as Sophia Coppola. So I thought that was cool. You know, I thought that she was pretty good in this. The only, she, sorry, she just doesn't look like her sister at all. Like those two girls do not look alike (laughs) at all. Like this is going to sound terrible, but I thought she was like some kind of household helper because she didn't look like the family, you know? (laughs) Well, maybe she looked like the milkman. It was the 60s. (laughs) Fair, fair. Right? Because that dad was a nightmare. Oh my God. Fuck him. Like seriously, like he buys a car. So then the mom has to go sell some shit. Like, come on, dude. Like no wonder she like catted around on him. Yeah, no. Fuck that. <laughs> like, it was crazy. Ugh. But no, she's good. Is there anybody else who's good in this? Well, Cage fact. I remember I writing this down. Joan Allen is in Face Off with Cage. Oh, that's right. He's uh, the wife of um, Travolta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or yeah. Cage, depending on whose face is on who at the time. I love that movie. <laughs> it's Of the trilogy of awesome, it's the second best on air. Wow. The Holy Trifecta. Yeah. All great films, but... <laughs> <laughs> And this film, though, was nominated for three Oscars, didn't win mm-hmm. any, but uh, Best Actress for Kathleen Turner, Best Costume Design, and Best Cinematography. Who won that in 1986? For which one? Best Actress? actress. Hmm, let's Ex- look it up. 1986 Best Actress. Oh, I just Googled it. It's Geraldine Page? Like, come on. A Who's tr- that? Have you... Exactly. Have you ever seen The Trip to Bountiful? Like, come on. I have no idea. Like, that's that's a movie trivia fact that someone could stump almost anyone on. Seriously. Like, oh my god. Okay, so it looks like that year, it was like Prizzy's honor honor for, um, what's her face? Hot chick, Angelica Houston. Gorgeous woman. Gorgeous performance. Whoopi Goldberg, the color purple. Oh, I just totally made this all up. Wait, actress in a leading role? Oh, oh I looked up the wrong year. Yeah, we have to look at 87. I always forget that. I was looking at the same thing, too. I'm like, where is she? Here we go. 87. Yeah. Who won? Oh, Marley Matlin. Children of a Lesser God, yes. But that was a historic win because she was the first, uh, I think, deaf actress to win. I think mm. as far as I know, she's the only deaf actress to ever win. So that was a tough year anyway. I like the uh, women in this category better than the 86 one. Yeah, I agree. Sigourney Weaver Aliens, which I didn't realize she was nominated for. Good for her. Kathleen Turner, Peggy Sue Got Married, Jane Fonda, The Morning After, and Sissy Spacek, Crimes of the Heart. I still would have given it to Kathleen Turner. I mean, she was she was awesome. This gets lumped in Cage movies because of the aura around Cage now, but I'll say it again. This is a Kathleen Turner film, and she is excellent in it yes because she wasn't in it we would just be talking about this shitty ass movie that Nicolas Cage (laughs) bombed like everybody's career in like truly if it weren't for her he would not have a career because literally nobody well he's a white guy so he probably would get another chance but like he may not have gotten a better chance awesome um <laughs> like i don't know what else to say let's just dive into the movie then you're the expert on this film what do you want to talk about with peggy sue got married i just want to talk about how great it is but i don't think that's really interesting for anybody else so i think <laughs> the most interesting part about peggy sue got married for me is that the older i get the more it's like would i go back to high school to change my life now and i think it's a really interesting question the movie poses because she blamed her choices then 
for her life leading up to it now. And I think it, honestly, it's like, it's a wonderful life, but for middle-aged women, in my opinion. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, no, I, I, I could see that. So I definitely got a lot of those similar feeling feelings. I was thinking like, what would I do if this happened to me? It's interesting, you know? I mean, we start off pretty fast, right? And it's like, well, they're like getting ready for the reunion and it's a reunion for class of 1960, I believe. And yep. she's understandably super nervous. Sidebar, I love how, like, social media has ruined reunions. Thank God. <laughs> no, I'm happy about it. When I say I love, I literally mean I love, you know? Could you imagine yeah. the anxiety of just, like, going back to see people that you haven't seen in years and having to, like, talk with them about what they're doing? I really like to talk, so I would be down for it. I just don't really care about the people I haven't stayed in touch with, to be honest. Well, that's what I mean, right? Like, I'm like you. Like, <laughs> the majority of my close friends are my high school friends. Maybe that's why I do this show. But, it, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, like, so it wouldn't be so much them. It's just like, I don't want to hear it from some other people. And I know that makes me sound like an asshole. I know that makes me sound selfish. So this is really going to be obnoxious, but I don't, I don't like having those conversations because then I have to do what deal with all the oh you lived overseas or oh you live in los angeles oh you do this this, <laughs> this it's just like it's so irritating to have to pretend like it's special and not mundane you know what i mean like it's horrible but some people did make some shitty life choices and then <laughs> you get that like residual like humble low level guilt you but then you but it's not really guilt you it's basically you run into a peggy sue who's miserable and you just don't want that like m misery rubbing off on you does that make sense it's horrible it's, to it say. is horrible it is horrible but i totally get it <laughs> You said you grew up in Alaska. Did a lot of people stay in Alaska or did a lot of people leave Alaska? Like, I, I like to ask this question because there's some towns where like everyone stayed and there's some towns where like everyone left, you know? It's 50-50. So it's really great because I can move to basically any major city in America and have people I know to have Insta friends with. But then there's like half the people who just stayed because like, I'd say half of the half just like living in Alaska because it's weird and wilderness and whatever. And the other half stayed because they just never thought to leave. Do you still have family there? Oh yeah. Gotcha. So is this some, something where you regularly go back? Oh God, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just curious, like if you ever run into people it, from high school fail? who stayed, you know? Oh God, no, I can't go. So anytime I'm back... I will run into somebody just out and about. Like that, so I don't even tell people I'm coming now just because like I come with a purpose. I literally get in and get out because I don't like going back there. So I won't tell people I'm coming and I'll be at the grocery store and I'm pretty loud and I'm tall. I guess I'm loud. My voice carries. So without fail, I'll hear a Kate Hudson and I'll turn around and be like someone I haven't seen in like 15 years. <laughs> That's awesome. It's, it's ridiculous. And then I'm usually just a degenerate and ask them like where to get booze or pot. <laughs> it's legal up there so it's okay to say <laughs> i didn't remember how many like and i'm not saying this in a taboo way like drug scenes there were in this film because there's like the coke scene and i guess there's oh, like, yeah. a pot scene it's not bad but it's like i it didn't was the remember 80s. that <laughs> as far as i'm concerned everyone was like high on coke in the 80s and then it, it, like so i looked this up it took place in northern california at least that's where it was filmed like it so it was filmed in petaluma and i actually have family in petaluma mm. Which isn't too far from like northern like Humboldt, where all the pot is grown. So like, oh yeah, that's where like the farms are, right? Yeah. So to me, I thought it was pretty. I thought it was pretty accurate. <laughs> I like how she. I like how she smoked up with the um the hot beatnik kid. 
Oh, I do want to talk about like that kid and, and the dynamics here. What did you think though of these this whole reunion scene and the I guess the build up of the Nicolas Cage husband because you see that like commercial <laughs> and uh, I guess what did what did you think of this whole like setup to the film if you will like the whole reunion? I so I thought he was a real piece of shit for coming. Watching this as an adult, there was a real component of oh Peggy Sue really doesn't have a lot of autonomy here. Like these guys in her life just sort of railroad her like railroad over her just to because of what they want and i think that that really carried through through the entire film where basically the ending in a certain light is she just finally gave into it so in that respect i'm like shit peggy sue go live your life but i guess she tried to and she decided she didn't like living her life i don't know i guess this just took a dark turn so I liked the setup of how it shows in the reunion people never really change, that those Mm -hmm. dynamics are always there. And I don't really believe people change. So it sort of reinforces my worldview. So I'm okay with it. (laughs) People are going to learn a lot about you on this, on this show. I I know I'm talking too much. I feel like we're going to have to go back. Well, just for the record, I do not buy reviews because I'm an idiot. (laughs) That was a joke. I just want to say that because no, because some nectar on the internet's gonna be like blah 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 blah. She's horrible. I didn't take you seriously there. So. Okay, please don't. Okay, no. <laughs> I, yeah, no. If you want to do any disclaimer, fine. But I, I would hope I have an educated enough fan base to really figure this out. You know, not be like, whoa, what a corrupt human being this is. <laughs> well, I am corrupt, but just not when it comes when it not not when it comes to somebody else's website. <laughs> someone else's brand dustin is a lovely man and i would never do anything to jeopardize it for him (laughs) so sorry back to the film (laughs) just to make it clear you're not actually selling your reviews so no 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 i wish i could if i could find a way to do it ethically and not get caught i totally (laughs) would but for the record now as it stands nobody can buy me off on pajiba all of my thoughts are my own Just for the record. All right. It's been stated. We can can move on. Good call. Good call. Because I wasn't even thinking about somebody being like, wow, what happened to journalistic integrity? You have no idea. Well, because you're a dude on the internet. People don't call you a cunt randomly on Twitter. (laughs) Trust me. You're lucky. Actually, I think it's funny. Um, (laughs) I always like it when trolls come after me because then I get to play with them. But back to the the reunion. So I thought it was really weird that they crowned a king and a queen because Jesus Christ, can't we move past some of our superlatives? Yeah. Oh my God. Because I graduated a year early, I never had to go through superlatives. So I don't know how horrible it feels like. I can think of nothing worse than not getting one than getting one that was terrible. So I don't know what's better here. Yeah, it's tough, right? Like I I was questioning that um, we've done a couple other films with like these kind of prom king and prom queen or just like yearbook stuff. And I don't know if it necessarily fits in with like our society today. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. No. Well, first of all, like prom king and prom queen, like the whole gender aspect I don't know if that fits in, but even just, like, singling out people for particular things. And I know they used to have, like, negative categories, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. They told yeah. Well, you know what's funny is that I was, so when I watched this recently. I was trying to remember who our prom king and queen were for my high school for the year I was there. Sorry, my last year, my junior year, when they had a prom king and queen. And I only remember prom queen because it was one of my really good friends. I could not tell you who prom king was. Probably a winner today, though. I mean, who knows? <laughs> I barely remember anybody's. I'd say, I'm really painting a picture of myself. As like, 
self-centered asshole. But yeah, it, it didn't affect me any. So why would I care who it was? <laughs> like, uh, so, <laughs> so what exactly happens to Peggy where she wakes up back in time? So if you're a boring person, you are going to say she had a medical event where she <laughs> remembered things clearly. Right? Like, they say it, like, as a throwaway line when she's coming to in the hospital at the very end when she sees her parents getting older and then she sees Nicolas Cage that she had, like, her heart was beating and then it stopped and they were able to start it again. So, a boring, lame person is going to be like, all the events of the movie actually happened and that she didn't go back in time. She just is remembering things and then her coma is induced and she's adding that extra layer of consciousness to it. Mm. Those people are assholes and we don't give a shit about them. <laughs> the real answer is her heart stopped and she went back in time and she was able to change certain things, like minor tweaks. But ultimately, she was fated to be with Nicolas Cage. Mm. That's my reading of it because gotcha. that's a much more fun reading. Because at, remember at the end, the, the beatnik kid dedicates that book to her. Yeah, no, I thought that was the biggest, like, reveal of what potentially happened. Like, what, what does she have, a heart attack, though? Like, No, it's something like her, I don't, okay, so I am an English major, not a medical person. Well, <laughs> I didn't bring you on for your medical expertise, so don't right? I don't know if, I think she had an irregular heartbeat and it stopped or something. Gotcha. I don't think, they didn't say you had a heart attack. They gave you some mumbo jumbo. Because <laughs> that's not really clear, but, I, you know, it doesn't matter in the end. But no, I, I agree, like. A couple of pe- different people have theories, and you're right. Some people just say it's like she's just reliving her memories, and some people say she's actually going back in time because there's the whole thing with like her grandfather and that like lodge where they. <laughs> yeah, I love that. But okay, did you notice when you rewatched it? I think at least that the little like cape they made her wear was made of the same material as her dress. Oh, at the beginning. I didn't notice that. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Oh. So like. I personally think it was fate and she went back in time. That's certainly the more fun approach to this film. Right? Like, what kind of asshole wants an unfun approach to Peggy Sue got married? (laughs) Who is that jerk who's sitting there like, "Mm." like science, like, fuck you. (laughs) I do like, like, the scene where she first, you know, goes back. It's wonderful spring radio at 12 a.m. Now, from the champs, let's party with a little tequila. Cars are really cool. Like they, they're, yeah. play, they're playing tequila. Like it's yeah, it's perfect. It's it's a it's, this is a really pretty movie too. So they shot a lot of that in Santa Rosa and Petaluma, and it still looks like that downtown oh, really? Petaluma. Yeah, because my family lives there, so I go up there once or twice a year. It still still looks like it. It's really cool. That's cool. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I didn't know that. I did like her reaction when she sees her parents for the first yeah. time. What is going on? Nancy? It's Nancy! Oh, 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 my baby sister! Oh, oh, honey! Oh, oh, 
see what you. What are you doing? Mom said you were sick. You're never happy to see me. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. I want us to be closer. I have too many unresolved relationships in my life. Teenagers are weird, and you're the weirdest. <laughs> oh. Hey, you want to play a game? Come here. Oh. Uh, how about Monopoly? Or uh, Parcheesi? Or uh, Shoots and Ladders? <laughs> yeah! It's. Oh. And when she talks to her grandma on the phone and freaks out and like cries because grandma's clearly dead. All that, yeah, all that stuff is so like touching to me. I know we've been pretty like cool people on this podcast and you know, but like there are like really touching moments in this film. Oh yeah. And Kathleen Turner really sells them. Like at the end when she finally gets the locket and it's raining and she just literally crumples to the ground. She's so good with those moments and her physicality that you're really, like, you feel what she's feeling. I can't say it enough to how good of a job she does here. And so, so many times it was, like, just connecting with her character and yeah. and, and getting it. And I know, like, what you're saying is so true. I know if, if I watch this film in 10 years, I'm probably going to feel it more. Yeah. The more you get away from your youth, the more you connect with it. <laughs> I love that about movies because there were so many films I watched as a high schooler that I loved. But I watch now and I just get them on more of a different yeah. level. Kind of a sad level, like, oh man, there are regrets in life, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I I don't have them. I accept <laughs> other people do. <laughs> That's such a dick thing to say. It's not a I dick just, thing to say. Be yourself. The, it, it is. <sighs> no, it is. But it's like, I really internalize the message of these movies that I watched as a kid. Like, Peggy Sue got married. You know what I mean? That you've got to try to make the right choices and do what you want to do now so you don't have to travel back in time Fair. and relive it. Because it could happen. <sighs> Ooh, yeah. This movie, like, surprisingly, like I said, gets heavy. You know, it gets heavy at a lot oh, of yeah. points. <laughs> like, Peggy's miserable at the beginning of this movie. She's yeah. going through a divorce. She's kind of proud of her business, but she's only proud of her business in the sense that it's the one accomplishment next to her kids that she's actually done herself. But she, you can tell that she just doesn't appreciate what she has other than her kids. But it's funny, throughout the entire movie, you see her actively trying not to end up with Nicolas Cage, which means she would not have her children. So how proud of her kids is she? That was my biggest question mark in the film, in terms of like, wow, like, if I found out that my mother went back in time and was trying to change things so I wouldn't exist, and I know that's not the reason she would be doing that, but I would be, like, really hurt, you know? <laughs> yeah, but I love that. I love that Peggy Sue gets to be her own person and not, like, mother of Scott and Beth through the movie, and that they're not factoring into the decision for her to have a happy life. Well, my own, like, mother is, like, the reason why I connected with this film so much now my parents are divorced now and sometimes in a morbid way i think about like does she regret it would she be doing these kind of things you know like i would really wonder how this film would connect with somebody theoretically like her that's like really like bad even to say about my mother you know but no but it's it's women of a certain generation and i honestly think that maybe my age and and slightly older are the first ones that really had a choice in the whole matter like sure peggy sue like peggy sue needed to get married you know what i mean just because it was 1960 and that's what was expected of her notice how 
the one single friend, the one who does the coke with um, Jim Carrey, this is a slightly sluttier one of yeah. the three girls. She's treated as like a sad sack piece of shit, even though she's like adorable yeah, and vivacious. I really like her. Like, yeah, right. And they're like, ooh, <laughs> she's like this slutty one who no one like. She's an old maid, and like these people are probably in their late thirties in this movie. I did the math because I assumed it was a twenty-five year reunion that took place in nineteen. Yeah, yeah, no, it was. Oh my god, I didn't even think about that. That's oh, that's sad. Yeah. So like. If you look at it through that context, and I think basically all women in the contemporary area in 1986 when this came out would understand it, that Peggy really didn't have a choice, did she? Oh, yeah, you're right. And I kind of think this movie is like a little bit ahead of its time with that kind of message, because this is like the prime Reagan 80s right now, you mm-hmm. know? And, and yep. it succeeded on a different level for being so ahead of its time with that kind of message. It's not exactly promoting the American dream or like it's, it's 1960, so it's technically the 60s. But, you know, this is more like 50s style, if that makes sense. You know, it's not like. Oh, yeah. Well, because it's it's I mean, 1960 is not the year JFK. JFK's our president in 60. 60, yeah, yeah, he got, yeah, they mention it. Like, oh, I think we're going to vote a Democrat this year. So he gets, ele- yeah, that's right. He gets elected in 60, yeah. Yeah. So the way I sort of look at life in general is that if you're happy now or if you like what you have now, you really have to accept every shitty thing that comes, that came with your life leading up to this point, which is why I don't have regrets because I'm very happy now. And I think Peggy Sue had to go through that process of accepting bad shit happened. Like my my shitty ass husband cheated on me, but maybe I didn't know him as much as I, I thought I did. And she started, I think, to see everybody else's fully realized people living their own sort of life and making bad decisions. And she just, she stopped being angry at herself because I think ultimately she landed on a place where she actually was happy if she just stopped just looking at the past with misery Hmm, yeah that's that's an awesome take i definitely agree with that it's not that like how many people look back on their lives and like oh if i only zigged when i should have zagged i personally think that's just a miserable way to live yeah it really is you know just always look towards the future like today's a new day like you're here what do do you want to do next you know what i mean (laughs) as opposed to like living in the past like if i'd only not gotten pregnant out of high school like yeah, it would have been great, but okay. Now no, what? No, no, I know. I think you're right. Uh, this is, as we talk about it, like, I, I know I've said this, but like, again, this is just so ahead of its time. And I don't know. I didn't expect to connect to this film in this kind of way. Well, the soundtrack does a really good job of making you connect to it, too. There's something so nostalgic and longing and bittersweet about that that theme that goes through it the entire time because it's really only one song just played all the time yeah that song like still because every time it like crescendos is peggy's like physically crumpling you know what i mean and that's a coppola trademark like to find a song for the movie and just pump it into our veins until like we know it by heart like i mean like a score you know and he definitely shows it here oh yeah i wonder who the composer was it wasn't like the guy who did Titanic, because or John Williams, those are the only composers no, I recognize. No, his father was a composer, <laughs> but I don't think he did this film. But you know, you know, the other thing I love about this movie is the fashion. Like I, mm. Peggy, Peggy mm-hmm. Sue in her cute little capri pants. Like, oh my god, I wanted to, because I've watched this movie seriously probably once or twice, once every two, like one or two years since I was four years old. So I have always wanted to dress like Peggy Sue. Like, even to this day, if I could find plaid pants like that, I would wear them all they the They were time. great. I, that's the one thing, like, in this film, I was like, damn, those are cool plaid pants. <laughs> yeah! 
Well, and the boys dress nice too. Like I just, I love that style. And oh, we have to talk about when they sing when Nicolas Cage sings in this. Yes, and is that his real voice? Do you know? Because like I think so. I love it. This is a very musical film in terms terms of like, well, Helen Hunt's apparently guy she's with is in that original band. band. Yeah, yeah, the cover and band. Nicolas Cage is in like a uh, kind of doo wop band with uh, Jim Carrey and some friends. Yeah, they, she gives them the Beatles song. <laughs> the one thing that's not addressed, and I don't care because we don't have to discuss the sci-fi elements here. She's changing a lot of the past. If if she actually gives him that Beatles song, would that change the future? Yeah, but remember, he gave it all up at the very end of the scene because he got ten percent of his dad's business. You're right. You know that's a good point. Well, it was just faded. Like I believe in fate. I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, free will. No, like I totally believe in fate, and I think that she was always fated to end up with him for whatever reason. Like that was her path in life. I think you're going to depress a lot of people who listen to this podcast. Why? I love fate. I think it's I I think it makes like a method out of the chaos of like the world. No, no, I can't get what you're saying. Just the fact that you're not selling your uh Rotten Tomatoes certification <laughs> that people don't have choice in the matter anymore. You just you're just ruining I mean, things for, for <laughs> I, I, the, the I, I will say this to all the people upset in life if, if if it's faded you have to get to point a from point b but there is an unlimited ways of options to get from point a to point b <laughs> no. i mean we're all we're all fated to die anyways like that's point a to point b whatever but, you want to do in between live your life forget about <laughs> peggy sue got married let's just talk about how we're all gonna die someday that'll be the rest of the podcast <laughs> <laughs> think about sometimes <laughs> literally every single year you pass the anniversary of the day you die and you don't know it oh my god i've not thought about that and now i'm never gonna forget that thank you <laughs> you're welcome you're welcome america <laughs> oh my god you're right Ooh, oof. isn't that deep isn't that deep and i am sober just so you know <laughs> I, I there is no sort of substances in my in my system right now that makes me share this with you <laughs> Uh, I don't know where to go from there. I mean, what's another scene you like in this film? <laughs> right, wait, I wrote down, and I'm trying. To, oh, now I remember. The worst, like Nicolas Cage voice thing is when they're like having that conversation about like having sex. And oh, he's like, yeah. He's like, I can't do the voice because I don't want to. But like, you mean my wang? Like- <laughs> Charlie, let's make love. What? You mean sex? <laughs> intercourse. You want to have intercourse? Last weekend, you said. What time is it? Holy cow. It's late. A lot of things have happened since last weekend. But you were the one who said we should wait, and you were right. We should wait till we get married. Well... I, I know I must have believed that when, but when I said it, but oh, doesn't Lucky Chucky want to come out? Huh? No. Your love machine, your throbbing thrill hammer, your thing. You mean my wang? <laughs> well, to be fair, she's not using good terms either. I think she calls it little Chucky. Yeah, no, that was a little weird. Because, yeah, she starts, like, using... She says a couple things. But, like, yeah. she, she has a, quote-unquote, normal voice, right? 
like when and he responds in that pokey voice like you mean you mean my wang you know it's just like <laughs> so, so i will say that was the one scene my parents made me fast forward as a kid <laughs> that's great <laughs> like that was the one that i was never allowed to watch until i was older oh i love it yeah i, I love that like awkward fast forward scenes and the yes. fact that, like you mean my wang was that one for you that Oh, I love it. <laughs> One line I remember of that entire movie, when her mom's talking to her on her staircase, and she goes, you know what a penis is, Peggy. Stay <laughs> away from it. Like, that's the line I always remember. So, like, I like I like the book ending of Peggy knows what a penis is, and she's not afraid to want to use it. <laughs> you know? You know what? Like, just, like, talking about that kind of stuff, it's making me think. One of my favorite scenes is when... She, not, not really seen, but when you know she realizes she's in the past, she's at home, and she starts drinking. You don't yeah. see that enough in time travel films because if that happened to you or anybody else, I think a lot of us would go to the bottle right away. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think what's really interesting about that is that it's I think the drinking age back then was eighteen, and she was almost eighteen. So really, that's why she got away with it with her parents because like, all she got was a stern talking to and being sent to her room for being trashed. <laughs> I love like, that too. Like, oh, you're drunk. <laughs> yeah, go to bed. Oh man, but no. But I was like, wow, I I haven't seen this too much in tra- time travel films. Like, oh fuck, I'm in a different era. Yeah. Let me get drunk. <laughs> like that's the first thing she does when she gets home. She, but like it's interesting too because in her mind she's like in her late thirties. Like, how often do you just go home and pour yourself a drink when you're relaxing? Like mm-hmm. that's normal. Absolutely. The best part about the entire thing is that she was in her 17, almost 18-year-old body, and she drank a lot. And I bet you there's anything, there's no hangover the next day. (laughs) Oh, to relive those days. Seriously, that is the dream. Like, I smell a shot now, and I get hungover. I, I (laughs) yeah. I haven't had a drink in, honestly, two weeks, just because my body, every time I ask my body if I want a drink, it's like, no, fuck you. Go have a kombucha. And I do. (laughs) It's like, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, you you hit the sauce too hard this this quarter, young lady. You're out for a while. (laughs) Like, sometimes I'll wake up, and I'm like, oh, I feel hungover, and then... Like, five minutes later, it'll hit me. I didn't drink yesterday. Yeah! <laughs> what is with that? <laughs> oh, just getting older. That's what happens, and it sucks. Seriously, like, <laughs> this is what I love about this movie, because she does exactly what i do if I had to go back to high school for a week. Like, basically, drink all you can, because your body can handle it, and go fuck all the dudes you wish you had fucked. <laughs> and she did! And like, she, she's my hero. She, she, uh, that's, this is so... I'm, I'll say it a million times in this podcast. This film is so ahead of its time. Like, it's... You know, I'm, like it's a film that I would think going in would try to be preachy. And it's not that, like, Reagan-esque preachy at all, you know? No. Peggy, Peggy's just does Peggy, man. And speaking of the one of the guys she wants to have sex with, it's um, the beatnik kid. And I have not found his name in my notes. <laughs> a hot guy in the 80s a lot and now he's like the bald guy at the bowling alley in widows (laughs) wow he's got he's got pretty decent hair in this film well you can start to see that it's thinning it up top and that's why it's a little crazy Mm, makes sense (laughs) yeah so you know he's questioning hemingway i thought it was funny that like the books they're reading in that class are i think still the books they're reading in high school today which is interesting because like whatever we're we're today right this film is from 1980, uh, what, six? Yep. Yeah. 1986, and it's about 1960. 
And they're still talking about, like, the Great Gatsby and the Old Man in the Sea. I thought that was interesting, and he's, you know, like, being a whole beatnik to the teacher, and I could see how that would be hot, you know, like, back in the day. If you think of all the other kind of kinds of, like, genres or cliques of people that exist, he definitely stands out, you know? Oh, yeah, because he's so tied... I mean, every, like, generation has its, like, douchebag, like, guy who thinks that he's smarter and, like, feels things more deeper than everyone else. (laughs) But, like, a beatnik is so tied to, like, 1960. It's, like, it's beautiful. Yeah, it really is. It's so so specific for that time period. Just like anyone in any era, when they're first recognizing the first person of a movement or, like, early people of a movement, like, no one notices or cares like they know he's kind of like mysterious but it's not like this dude's a beatnik you know yeah yeah i mean he's just like he's just the guy that thought he was too good to hang out with the rest of them which is why they stayed away like this is what i like about the kids in high school like they're not real assholes like because how many real bullies were there in your high school right like a few but most everybody was just trying to go along to get along and that's what i liked about how they made this high school like everyone's just going along to get along yeah absolutely a lot of times on the show, I'll ask, like, did the people look like they were in high school, like, age-wise? But it's really not fair for this film, because the age yeah. ages vary because of the whole time warp thing. Like, some people are older and they're going back, some people are actually young and they're playing old in that original scene. So, I'm disqualifying that, like, question, because it really doesn't matter for this film. I agree. So, do you want to, do you want, do you want your mind blown for a second? Blow my mind, please. Okay. If this movie was going to be made today, they would literally travel back to 1995. Wow. That is like a mind fuck. Because I I think about that sometimes too, because like Happy Days, I forgot what what year that came out. And it seems like it was about the past, but it wasn't that far in the past, you know? Mm -mm. It was like a generation behind, yeah. That's crazy to think about. And I would like to see that movie. It's like yeah can you imagine the fashions too like it would be horrible like everyone (laughs) like all the girls would have pencil thin eyebrows wear brown lipstick and like be quoting clueless like talking like (laughs) as if like god it's so amazing how like decades get in vogue like now the 90s are really in vogue but i'm sure you remember when the 80s were really in vogue Um, oh yeah well i remember like the 70s were cool when i was a teenager in the 90s yeah, I remember like Brady Bunch revival and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it like and I it's like I can't picture now being cool at some point, but eventually it will. Eventually like that 2000-ish era, I don't know what it's called. Some people told me it was called the Naughties. I'm not too sure Ugh. about that. That sounds silly. <laughs> but yeah. I, I guess if it's called that, I don't know, but eventually that's going to be interesting and it's funny cuz I say the same thing every time. And I remember saying this at one point did the 90s really have distinct fashion? Like, like 10 years ago, I said that. Like, we're not going to remember the 90s. Time I passes think the and 90s, you do. I don't know. I think it's different when you're a chick because, like, guy fashion really, like, is much slower to evolve. But the 90s definitely had a look in the makeup. Oh, and no, it did. We Absolutely. It's just, like, I didn't realize it. And the thing, so we, we've covered some movies from the early 2000s. And the, like, at least the man fashion is terrible. Because it's, it's, it's like... <laughs> there's and, there's and, nothing good about and that I, era. I, and I, look, I was one of these guys, like the short sleeve shirt with the long sleeve shirt under, you know, like a lot of Aeropostale t-shirts. Like, <laughs> <sighs> One day that's going to be like, yeah, I'm going to a 2000s party. I'm wearing my Aeropostale shirt, you know. So we were talking about this on the Pajiba 
Slack, gosh, maybe a few weeks ago. And the guys are like, I still wear stuff like that. It's fine. Like, it's like <laughs> that look, like, still, I still see guys in that look. Like, that's the look that, what's his face? Ethan Embry rocked and can't hardly wait. <laughs> Absolutely. You're right. <laughs> like, it's terrible. Though. It's a great like, movie. Small segue. I hate uh, casual men's fashion or just men's fashion in general. It's bad. I, I hate the idea that. I see it all the time, and like I don't go out as much as I used to, or and I really didn't go out. Well, I did, but whatever. I don't want to talk about it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, you ever like are outside like a cool bar or something, and you see the women like dressed to the nines, and the man looked like he was wearing what he was wearing to work, and that's okay, and that really pisses me off. I would take that because I'm single and dating in LA. I've literally had dudes come up in gym shorts for a date, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Like, Are you serious? I swear to God. Come on. I, that really with, pisses me off. Dude, Gym with dirty shorts? fingernails. With dirty fingernails. And oh. then he had like the audacity to talk to me like he was some prize. And I was like, oh. seriously, bro? Like, seriously? You're really making me hate LA and men. So, thank Well, join the club. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you can't, there's nowhere to go from there. But no, I I think, like, at least on the West Coast, like, people are just, like, casual to a fault, and it drives me insane. I wish people had the same standards in terms of just, like, I don't want to say dressing up like fancy Titanic outfits, but I wish, I wish men expressed themselves more with their outfits, but maybe they are. Maybe Mesh Short Guy was just, that's him expressing himself, because that's who he is. No, that's lazy. No, no. Like, I don't want to get too much off on a tangent, but like, come on, make an effort. Like, we don't, we don't get to live a life of pure id. And if you want to date people and you want to like exist in society, like make an effort. Oh my God. No, you're right. No, I look, I a hundred percent agree with you on that. And you know what though? Like the men of this era uh, from Peggy's who got married seemed like they made more of an effort than yes! certainly mesh short guy. You know? <laughs> yes, because like that was the style back then. Like, I mean, sure, we had crippling, horrible racism and misogyny, and I don't think anybody wants to live in 1960. However, would it kill men of today to wear pants that required a belt everywhere? <laughs> like, can we just take one thing from our forefathers there, please? Amen. I'll just put it. Out. <laughs> I agree with you, and it, it's something that you know we don't often get to talk about men's fashion choices on this podcast. But I'm glad to finally have that forum because it is so true. It is. And by the way, like Nicolas Cage looks adorable. Like honestly, half of him getting away with that goofy ass voice <laughs> is the cute little pompadour and the cute little outfits he wears. <laughs> You're so right. Sorry, I, I'm. I'm drinking a, a glass of wine because I'm being a diva. And when you said that, I just spit out my wine because you're so, you're so right. <laughs> like, imagine him and like fucking gym shorts and like doing oh, that. But I think people would shut the film off. <laughs> Seriously. Like it would be like, it would be worse than the room. But because he's like cute, he's selling it. <laughs> Like, honestly, if any guys are out there, like, single and are, like, wondering why they're single, dress up a little bit more and you're going to get away with a lot more. Good advice. Good advice. And by the way, I want to clarify because I know you're on West Coast time. It is, like, four something here. My wine is not as weird as whatever time you're in right now. It's the weekend. You can drink whenever you want to. There is no judgment. Peggy's, hey, Peggy Sue got tanked at probably 3 (laughs) p.m. Good point. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
live your life. But for the record, guys, I'm drinking kombucha. I'm a big kombucha fan, but that's a that's a different podcast for a different day in a different it is town. A, it is a fucking annoying drink, but there's something about it that I really like. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, not enough kombucha in New York. Oh, just just wait. We all of our irritating trends on the West Coast will eventually get there. Don't worry. <laughs> That one I'm not so upset about. Other ones, mesh shorts, man, I will be upset about. <laughs> Can't we just, let's just bring back the early 60s. Like pre-1965, let's all just dress a little nicer. Let's, Come on. <laughs> let's let's do it. So uh, Please. a scene I want to mention, it's this fun tug of war between uh, Nicholas Cage and Kathleen Turner in terms of like, because originally he was saying he was going to break up with her, right? And yeah. She's like, fine, I love that. And she's like, okay, you know, let's just do it now. And it confuses, like, the fuck out of him. But eventually, you know, she's angling to get with the beatnik kid, and they have their, like, date, and I'm, I'm assuming they have sex, right? They weren't just, like, oh, thro- for sure throbbing on did. top of each other. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then when they go on their second date, that's when, like, Nicolas Cage has his, like, big singing moment. Because he's, like, the entertainment that night. But there's one thing, like, uh, the Beatnik kid's big, like, I guess, reveal is that, like, he is in love with another woman and he wants Peggy Sue to move with him to Utah. Because apparently <laughs> in the in the timeline of this film, polygamy is still legal in Utah in 1960. And they're going <laughs> to get married there. And so many things I want to say. So many questions. Like... That, that was kind of interesting to me. What, what did you think about that whole element with the I mean, guy? I just think that he was a bonehead 17-year-old, and what bonehead 17-year-old wouldn't <laughs> want to do that? You know what I mean? Like, Good let's point. not forget that she was like a 38-year-old woman in an 18-year-old body. This kid was just 17. <laughs> it's funny because, like, on this podcast, we'll find, like, the weirdest shit or the weirdest decisions made in a film. And then you go back to that, like... Well, it's a high schooler making a choice, or it's a high school yeah. thing. And you know, I'm like, you know what? I might have done something that stupid in high school. Not, not I don't know about Utah polygamy thing, but you know, other stuff. So it, it is a good fallback for this podcast. <laughs> but also think about it from like his perspective. He met this kid, this woman in Utah when he was 16. So what are the chances that she's down for polygamy and having a bunch <laughs> of teenagers in her chicken shack in Utah? Yeah, it's not like you can text, you know. Right? You're still good for this this little uh, society we talked about one night when we were high, you know? <laughs> like, seriously. Like, yeah. So, I guess my takeaway is is that at the end of the day, he may have been a cool kid, but he was still a fucking kid. You're right. You know? you're right. I wasn't even thinking about that. No, 100%. <laughs> like, and that's what I love about it. So, my friend and I consistently talk about this. Like, if we had to go back to high school, we would just go bone those types of dudes. Because why not? Like, your reputation doesn't matter. And, like, that guy peaked at 18, I guarantee you. <laughs> well, he wrote a book, right? So Yeah, but how many, like, edgelords have books? Like, <laughs> that's, that's, you know. Writers aren't millionaires in society? I'm confused. <laughs> I mean... I think that the type of guy who thinks it's okay, even at 17, to ask a woman to do that probably isn't the type of guy you really want to hook your wagon to long term. (laughs) You know, I'm not bashing, like, polyamory or anything like that. I want to make it clear to people. He literally says polygamy, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) I mean, really, they should be watching the movie and understanding 
context themselves, but... <laughs> yes, but as we've established, not everyone understands context. That is true. That is true. <laughs> I freak out. Because <laughs> I don't think before I speak and then I say shit, it's like, oh, <laughs> My favorite line of the film is, I, I think when she's talking about like the Beatles song with him, where she says, yeah. I'm a walking, uh, what does she say? I'm, I'm a walking anachronism. Yes! I love that line, like, because it's, it's true, and it's also, like, it's also a great fuck you to anyone who, like, watches this film, it's like an uber nerd, and is like, oh, they didn't have that watch in 1960, it's 1963 when that watch Ugh. came out, you know? To me, it's just like, I don't know, it, it felt like a fuck you, maybe I'm overthinking it, but that, that's what it felt like to me. No, you know, my favorite line in the movie next to the penis line is Richard's burrito theory. I oh my God, yeah, line. we haven't talked enough about Richard in terms of like, they're trying to like get rich quick and app- not quick, but apparently in the original script, that was a bigger deal, like them trying to make money off like the pantyhose thing and the radios thing. Uh, I'm glad they didn't like oversell it in this film. No, but that that is that is a great line. Yeah, and she's like, I know what a burrito is. Like, it's just... He, God bless Barry Miller, um, <laughs> he sold the shit out of that role, and it's a fairly thankless role. Yeah, no, honestly, I mentioned him because he was actually one of the big standouts of this film to me. So many other people would have played that role as, like, an uber nerd, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. And he didn't do that, and I, I don't know, I appreciated it. But how many uber nerds were there in high school like i don't remember any kid that i knew even who was like a smart nerd that couldn't try to get himself laid at least once in high school whether he was successful or not he still tried (laughs) of course not but on this podcast we live in the film high school and there's always an uber nerd in the film high schools that is true that is true (laughs) he yeah he didn't lean into the role he made that role a person as opposed to just like a caricature no absolutely and and I, and I really did appreciate that they didn't really go anywhere with it he was just kind of like kind of like a tease of this could be sci-fi you know but he didn't really factor yeah. into the ending well no because it's francis ford coppola i'm sure that there's a hour movie somewhere <laughs> in like the vault and that he's honestly just not releasing it because he's still mad at nicholas cage for that voice you know what that's really possible because like i said like apparently in the original script them like trying to make money is a bigger part of it and i don't know if it was shot or not but it's very possible especially like you said it's it's coppola there's a really good chance that there's like a awesome director's cut of this potentially out there yeah and he is so petty that we'll never see it (laughs) because he was dumb enough not to take his fucking nephew aside on the first day and tell him to cut it out um you're a writer you're accredited by rotten tomatoes speak to him (laughs) Write, write something that's like, Francis, come on, get us the director's cut. Get your shit together, Francis. <laughs> I mean, that's how it would come out. And I, I just feel like my voice would be like, huh? Like, okay. <laughs> and it will come out one day. I'll forget about this conversation. And then like two years from now, it'll just like be my manifesto. Please. I hope that happens. <laughs> well, I mean, we're coming up on, I mean, we already passed the 30th anniversary three years ago. So maybe for like the 35th or the 40th anniversary, we could get a director's cut. I like to think that we'll help that with this podcast coming out. I hope so. I hope if anything, people are going to want to, okay, first off, you can buy Peggy Sue Got Married on Amazon for $5 in HD. Did you bullshit. see that you could watch it for free with commercials? Yeah, on, on the IMDb Freeform or whatever. 
Yeah, and it was like available on my thing. I didn't do that because I wanted, you know, I wanted to take notes and stuff. But guys, if you want to see this movie for free, you can do that too, or buy it or rent it for a dollar less, which would be stupid. But <laughs> yeah, just buy it. Yeah, listen, if you're anything like me, and I hope you guys all are, you'll want to watch this again. <laughs> God, that was amazing. Um, or like, the, I've done, I've done movies on IMDb before. It's really they don't cut it; they just intersperse a commercial every like forty-five minutes. So it's, it's not too distracting. I looked at it to see because it was free, and it seemed like there was more commercials than usual. It seemed like it was every like twenty-five minutes, which is kind of annoying. But it's still it's one commercial. They don't run like it's on TV where it's like yeah. You know. And I, I've watched a few movies where it's literally they only do it once, but those are the really low budget movies. <laughs> and again, like that's not gonna that's not gonna take you out of it. And no. if you really don't want to spend the five or six bucks, it's a great way to see a film that you haven't seen before or you want to explore. And if you really like it, you could buy it for five bucks or whatever it was. I mean, I'm just a big fan of just like go buy it for five dollars. Because the more people who buy it, maybe Francis Ford Coppola will release the extra two and a half oh, hours right. of random ass scenes, right? Absolutely. They have this kind of data. Guys, buy Peggy's Who Got Married so we can see these scenes. Also, when you buy a film on Amazon, they don't collect dust on your shelf. Like, That's true. Like the DVDs I have I need to get rid of, though they're in hiding now. But, you know, you go into a lot of people's places and DVDs are either part of the furniture or have been converted into coasters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and I actually own Peggy's Who Got Married on DVD somewhere and I just didn't want to dig it out. So I was like, fuck it, it's $5. Oh, my God. That happens to me all the time. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> I literally am like, do I want to search for this DVD? Uh, here's Too much five work. bucks Amazon. Yeah, just take <laughs> And usually they're not as cheap as $5. Like, you're getting a steal with Peggy Sue Got Married. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I think, like, mo- they're transitioning more and more films to this model. And it makes sense because I think if they make them that price, you're just going to buy more of them and probably end up spending more money than you would have on the rentals. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you there for sure. I hope everyone goes out and buys Peggy Sue Got Married. Please do. So um, let's see. What else do we have in the film? Oh, she sees her grandparents, which is like kind of an emotional moment. That scene. That that scene, dude. Oh, my God. Grandma, Grandpa, I want to tell you something. If you believe it, darling, then I believe. Being young is just as confusing as being old. The things that happened to me 50 years ago are more on my mind than the things that happened today. But I'm remembering the future. Chilling wind tonight. It's really picking up. Right now, you're just browsing through time. Choose the things you'll be proud of. Things that last. I'm proud of my children. I miss them so much. Beth, Scott, and Beth. I named my daughter after you. Oh, oh sweetheart. Thank you. <laughs> that scene with her grandparents is just, that's probably one of my favorite scenes. Oh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a really nice scene, and it's pretty. And you know what? I love that, like, her grandfather, even her grandmother, but definitely her grandfather, like, doesn't dismiss the craziness. The fact that he believes her, it's such a grandpa thing, you know? 
Well, and think about it too. Like with that generation, he probably fought in World War One. He probably saw some shit. That's a good point. Yeah. Same with her dad. Like I did the math. If Peggy Sue was probably born in 1942, she's turning 18 in 1960, which means like like she's probably a wartime baby. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Huh. Like there's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of like those generation, that generation of parents, and that generation of grandparents. I think because they went through so much. They're probably more inclined to believe this weird shit. I don't want to say we need a war. I'm not saying that. But like, <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it amazing that like there's most generations in American history, somebody fought a war and saw shit. You know? Yeah. That like for the last I don't know how many years, and I know there's been people in the military, but in terms of you know these were wars where almost everybody fought, and we don't like have that now and maybe that's why like mesh short man can go on a date with you because he hasn't like seen the shit and he doesn't appreciate life because he wears mesh shorts on dates again i'm not advocating for a war please people don't listen to me and say that but that's a great take and i wasn't even thinking of that like things are not so much out of the realm of possibility i'm sure if you've seen that kind of stuff yeah and then think about the lodge she like all of those guys were probably veterans Mm mm-hmm and then think about it again, it's 1960s, so, like, they're on the cusp of another war, like, shit's kicking off over, I forget what time is Vietnam, it's, like, 1965, 66, but I think, like, things are happening, Bay of Pigs is about to happen, they just yeah, got done with Korea War. Korea, yeah, we're in a little, like, war lull, but war is still a thing. I think every, at least, guy growing up in that society assumes that at one point they're going to fight in a war, because it's happened, <laughs> yeah. the, the, you know, since at least the Civil War. I think that it just allows you to accept that things outside of your realm of possibility and your sphere of knowledge can happen and that you just, you're probably more inclined to accept it. Yeah, because I meant, like, I didn't think we'd be talking about this on the podcast today, but imagine if a world war happened today. It's so, like, silly to even talk about. Like, it doesn't seem like, like everybody in the world going to war. So I could only imagine, like, the scope of possibility that this grandfather has. Yeah, and then also he didn't have all information at his fingertips. It's not like he could go online and like Google this and like WebMD will show up signs of like a brain tumor, right? Like you just kind of have to accept people. Oh, you're so right. It's like, oh my God, what's that sound? Like, is it a ghost? Nope. I just looked it up online. It's my water. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Yeah. The information is much more curated and personalized and it's really... Your, your world of possibilities is a lot greater because you don't have as much input and you don't have as much research capabilities. Yeah, absolutely. So what happens? Oh, yeah, they go to the lodge, right? Like, I really thought the ceremony was just going to work and go without hitch. I, I forgot about this cage kidnap thing. <laughs> um, I guess, how did you feel about that? I mean, as I was younger, I used to think it was really romantic, but this time around, <laughs> like, I sort of viewed it as, fuck, Peggy Sue, you don't have a whole lot of autonomy in that. But then it's like, okay, it's probably fate. Like, she tried so hard to push him away, and he just didn't. So, like, in a certain reading, if we're getting into this, like, it's ugh, autonomy, like, he needed to respect her boundaries, all of that stuff, like, the narrative we're having now in 2019. But at the same time, I think that their love, I really like their love story. I really do. Even though he's a piece of shit and he cheats on her, I love that love story. And I think that it's really sweet and endearing that he just couldn't accept that they couldn't be together because I think Peggy really wanted to be with him, too. I mean, ultimately, she gave in in the end, but... I don't think I have a point here. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I was actually thinking about what you were saying, you know. 
Oh, well, let's talk about it, right? Like, so she ends up, I guess, waking up, right? Well, I think it's because she finally accepted what her lot oh. in life was and fate that she came through. Because she kept fighting it, right? She kept pushing him away and pushing him away. But if you read it in a certain light, then it's like, no, she finally came to, to the modern world because she finally just gave in and accepted. Mm. And embraced it. You know what I mean? Like she knew by having sex with him, she was going to get pregnant and her life was going to be exactly the way it was. And she did it. And it's not like he was forcing her into it. He was just like a persistent like thing in her life, that, like a boomerang who kept coming back. So I think because she gave in and accepted it, she went back to her life as it was. That makes sense. Because it's time travel. Yeah. <laughs> I want to stress this. Fuck all you people who think like it was like a medical induced coma and yada, yada, yada. No, it was time travel. <laughs> no, I, I go with that theory too. Like we said, it's more fun that way anyway. Exactly. And like, I think ultimately, this is why I say it's like, it's a wonderful life for middle-aged women is because she realized like it really is a wonderful life. Then Nicolas Cage coming to the reunion isn't like being an abusive piece of shit. He, it's just the only place he knew he could talk to her mm. it's the only yeah, place no, he knew he point. could see her so it's kind of like oh like she does have all these people in her life who care about her and who want to reconnect with her and be a part of her life that she just kept running away from and rejecting and you know like that's the turning point in the movie she's finally like okay i'm gonna stop rejecting it i'm just gonna give into it because this is ultimately what i want too and she takes the good and the bad because yeah. she, she could have rejected it and stayed with her grandparents too like she could have stayed in that life but you can't live in the past. That's a really like good take on the film. And I definitely like agree with that now, especially now that you're saying it like that. It's one of these things where I don't know. Right. Right. Would you consider this a happy ending? I guess is what I'll ask. I think it's a hopeful ending. So are, are you satisfied with the fact that they get together or as fate told you that it doesn't matter because in the end of the day, they were going to get together anyway. And life doesn't matter because all our children. I don't- <laughs> It's, it all goes back to Richard's burrito theory, right? Like time overlaps and you can put whatever you want in between. So I think that she got to redo some of the experiences that probably would have been more satisfying for her, like doing that dude in the field and standing up to like the shitty, snotty girl and trying to spend more time with her family and all of that stuff. I think that was the stuff that ultimately is more important to her. Like she was always going to end up with him because she she never stopped loving him. She was pretty clear on that even in the beginning. She was just hurt because he was he, he cheated on her. But I think she also sort of wrote him off and always probably did because she thought she knew him as well. And it's clear that she, she started to understand she didn't know him. Those are some of the most beautiful moments of the film, right? Where she was just like, wow, like I've yeah. been with this guy this many years and I didn't know that he did this or knew this or, you know, that I really like that aspect of it. Yeah, it's there's something really like interesting about the fact that she went back in time and decided she was going to reject him completely, but ended up falling in love with him all over again. I hope he's sincere. Like I hope uh, Kate, not, not actual Nicholas Cage, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he's sincere in terms of like wanting to actually be with her again. I hope he's just not like, oh, whatever the person he was with just left me, so I might as well go back with my wife. I think he is. Listen, no one deserves to get cheated on, I'm not saying that. But I'm thinking that that is how that they have always treated each other. I think that we saw the patterns of their behavior, and she finally at least started to change her pattern of behavior. And I think that that will have a knock-on effect. And I think that she probably always, she, it sounds like she always thought he was a loser. That he just gave up the music thing without understanding that he got his little heart crushed, and that he wanted to be a responsible person for her, not because he was just selling out. And he was a husband. Yeah, I actually did like that element of it, you know. Like, that was well-written, we'll put it that way. 
Yeah. I mean, and honestly, like, let's be honest, like how many people do become that successful singer or how many people, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I went to high school with a few Olympians, like no joke. I actually went to high school with a girl who won the Olympic gold medal last wow. uh, winter, Keegan Randall, the one who like the cross country skier, like the duo, but there's so much sacrifice that goes into that. Like, and there's so much you have to give up to give into that. And I think that maybe it's a shorthand because a bunch of successful people, like successful, well-known actors and filmmakers made this, but you lose a part of, you lose a part of your family by doing that. You lose out on other experiences. And I think that the one place where the film probably could have shown better and maybe is on those like two hours of footage is the relationship he had with his family and their kids. Yeah. Because it's clear Helen Hunt loves him and yeah. like isn't like bad at him by the way she like stands with him and talks to him and tells Peggy Sue to stop talking shit about her dad. Like it's clear that he has a good relationship with their daughter as well. So he clearly was a good dad. That's a really good point because she doesn't... Like if he was like a deadbeat dad and a terrible father to her, I think you'd see it more in the Helen Hunt character. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like the look on her face when he comes into that room and they're having the moment, the look on Helen Hunt's face. It's, it's, it's a, you know, it's a very hopeful, like, it's almost like I didn't expect this to happen, but this is awesome kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that if I could parse it out better, I think there's that the key there is probably in her locket with the pictures that she always said were her kids, but it turns out it was her and Nicolas Cage, his character, as babies. That's probably the link there that we're just not picking up on. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that 100%. Like, that's, oof. this movie, again, is, it's deeper than one would expect. Yeah, I think it just deals with such adult themes. But it's coupled in an experience that everybody has an opinion on, which is going back to high school, being in high school. Everybody remembers that shit, for good or for bad. And that's why I started this podcast. <laughs> It all comes full circle, man. <laughs> uh, so anything else you want to mention about the film, Peggy Sue Got Married? No, I think we've covered basically, I mean, I'm going to have like a million other things as soon as we're done, but that's fine. That's always how it works. <laughs> well, um, I don't, you know, maybe the uh, guys on my network who do Cage, Cage Club will revisit this film at some point. <laughs> they should. So why do you think that this movie is not on the tips of everyone's tongue or like a household, no, I don't want to say household name, but like, you know, just something that everyone knows about. It's a good question. You know, what's funny is a lot of people I think do know about it that were like sort of alive and watching movies in 1986. But I think probably the reason why it's not one of those film studies class, like it's going to be like a, I just think it's because we have Kathleen Turner, who is not a particularly well-known um, actor now. You know, like it's not, a shame. It's a total shame. But I think it all goes back to we have a strong female protagonist telling primarily a, a, like a, a female story at heart. And I think that it's really kind of a deep, intense movie when you get away from Nicolas Cage's goofy voice. So I think that it's probably like one of those low level sleeper hits. And I think that you'll find like maybe a lot of people our age who do know it and love it probably watch it with their family. And it has that sort of like deep connection. But I honestly think it's just not a particularly sexy movie. It does doesn't have a like a super well-known actress and i think that there especially when you're, we're talking about critical film discourse you don't typically get female driven stories that are given as much respect as male driven stories no I, I would agree with that that's definitely a really good point okay so something i saw in reviews like uh, audience reviews that really i don't think was fair a lot of people say that this is like the girl back to the future and it really isn't. It isn't. No. It's, 
it's just, that's so like, just reductive too. You know what I mean? Like time travel was a big thing in a lot of 80 movies. Like, let's not forget Bill and Ted is just three years down the line. Like, yeah. And how many, like what would, I forget when that Judd, um, Judge Reinhold, Fred Savage, like Freaky Friday movie came out, but that's basically oh, the yeah. same premise. You know what I mean? Like, like anybody who says, oh, back to the future, like screwed over Peggy Sue is like, they're just being assholes. Like time travel was a big thing in the eighties, like going back to like all that stuff. So no, it's, I think that people just don't necessarily want to give as much critical weight to female led stories. I mean, I think that's more accurate to then like the whole, like I said, back to the future thing. Cause this is, this is a good movie. I really enjoyed it. And controversial take, I would say it's a lot deeper than back to the future. Back to the oh, future God, is fun, yeah. but this is like, it's like a thinking movie, you know? It doesn't have to be. You could totally watch it on, like, the surface level and have a good time. Like, I got more of an emotional reaction from this than I get from Back to the Future. Yeah, Back to the Future is just, like, it's just surface level. And I, I mean, like, I like Back to the Future too, but I just don't think it's nearly as, like, layered. I think that you have to force meaning and context onto it in order to get, to take a deeper, deeper dive into it. I don't think you need to do that to Peggy Sue Got Married. No. No, I 100% agree. Then again, Huey Lewis in the news <laughs> isn't in Peggy Sue Got Married, so if we're judging a movie by that criteria, no, it's going to lose every time. <laughs> so it was a good soundtrack, but no Huey Lewis, no power of love. That's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> so every week we uh, rate the film that we talk about on like a different scale. In okay. terms of we pick, it's always one to five, usually. But we pick an object in the film to rate it on. So is there any object or thing in this film that we could rate, like use for our scale? Yeah, the locket. That's like the whole thing. Perfect. We didn't even like really talk too much about the locket. That is true. <laughs> we could do burritos instead. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I, I think the locket is good. Let's, let's apologize to our fans of this film who really like the locket element by using it as our... Uh, <laughs> As, as our scale thing here. <laughs> Though I do like burritos. That is true. Burritos, but the locket is intrinsically tied to like the throughput of Peggy Sue. So yeah, kind of have to go with it. So on a scale of like high school films, I'm not saying like, oh, it's the best high school film in terms of like enjoyability and stuff like that. We're not ranking him on like Oscar level. It's just in terms of how much you enjoyed watching it. How many lockets do you give Peggy Sue Got Married? Oh, I'm always five out of five for this one. I love this movie. I really do. I figured. I figured. <laughs> I mean, and it, and it is really, really good. I'm actually, I'm going to give it uh, four lockets and a half, which, it, oh. which, is, which is a high score. Trust me. It sounds like it would be for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a film snob. Don't say that. No, <laughs> no I, say, I, say that with, I say that with admiration. Like, you're not for sale. <laughs> jokes, 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 jokes. <laughs> no, maybe I'm a snob. Maybe I'm not. I am. But <laughs> I, this film really, like, it exceeded my expectations. And I'm giving it four and a half lockets. I think it's super awesome. I don't think as many people have seen this film as they should. And it, it needs some kind of revival, as we said. Well, as I said, you need to use your, your writing superpowers to get Francis Ford Coppola <laughs> to make a director's cut so we can see these extra scenes and all the good... He's done it for almost every one of his other films. So Yeah, because his nephew didn't fuck those up. Oh, come on, Cage. Why do you have I, to be like the forgotten nephew? I Listen, again, I will just say this because I know we're closing this out. I like Nicholas. It's not... I would like whoever played this role like that as them. 
And I think that I just, I like the choices he made. Cause again, I saw this movie at four years old. So <laughs> it just, it seemed natural to me at the time. No, I, again, I don't get over it is what I'll say to Francis Ford Coppola, you know, like, yeah. okay, you weren't too happy with the voice, but at this point you could really, really revive like an awesome movie with an awesome message and don't screw all the other actors for your you know in our opinion your fault of not telling your nephew <laughs> to stop using that voice i can't it's just great because he had so many opportunities to stop it and he didn't i mean we've i think we've all been in like similar positions or seen people in similar positions where they thought about doing something early on and they didn't do it, so they just let it ride, and then they completely regretted not stopping something. You know? That's exactly what this movie's about. It's so good. Oh, God bless them. <laughs> Any other uh, thoughts on Peggy Sue Got Married or anything? No. I think we covered it pretty well. I think, yeah, I think you guys, I think everyone just needs to go watch it. I hope I hope we sold the movie to everybody. I hope so, too. And, and, and I think we did a good job there, because, uh, you know, I think we're talking both sincerely in terms of how, I mean... Obviously, you have a lot of history with this film. I don't, and I still, <laughs> I still really, really enjoyed this film. Yeah, like it's just like you think it's you're gonna go in for like a goofy sort of like romp, and then yeah, it's like that's what oh, I thought. Shit. That's what yeah. I really thought. And, and you should because like one of the first scenes is Nicolas Cage like in a really cheesy <laughs> '80s commercial. Like, duh. <laughs> oh man. Okay, Kate, so uh, how can people theoretically follow you or find your stuff, or is there anything you want to plug? Yeah, I mean, you guys can witness me being called a cunt on Twitter if you like. So you, if you want to follow me, my um, my Twitter handle is at Hudson Kate because I grabbed that one a long time ago. And the best part about having that Twitter handle is one day I woke up to Taze on Day following me. Remember that kid, the chocolate rain guy? Oh my god! <laughs> no, it, the story gets even better because he followed me and then he realized I wasn't like a uh, Kate Hudson in Hollywood and immediately unfollowed me. Oh. <laughs> Why would you feel the need to unfollow, you know? Just follow the other one. Like, <laughs> Well, the other one's not on Twitter. Oh, that's why. So do you get yeah. like, tagged a lot? Not as much as I used to. Ever since I started writing for Pajiba, no. But every once in a while, yeah. Yeah. Or like, <laughs> if I piss off Katy Perry fans, they like to like really show their deep cut knowledge by being like, just because your name's Kate Hudson doesn't mean you're as classy as our queen. <laughs> like, it's like, okay, guys. Oh, just live great. your life. That's yeah. <laughs> that is so good. So, I mean, that that's an epic Twitter handle. And as you mentioned, you, you write a lot for Pajiba, which and again, I love your stuff. <laughs> Thank you. I write like it's a fever dream every day. And it's awesome, guys. You definitely need to check it out. It's really cool. Like I, almost everything you've written, and I hope you don't think this is an insult. Everything you've written, I've laughed out loud on. Good. That's the goal. Like, I just like to be a joyful idiot. And if I can help other people be joyful idiots, then my day is complete. Truly. Oh, well, thanks so much for coming on the show. <laughs> really, really appreciate it. I'd love to have you again. I would love to. Yeah. And we'll, we'll pick a less deep movie so we can just make fun of it. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thank you. Huge thank you to Kate Hudson. That was so much fun. We have to have her on again. I hope you had as much fun listening as I did chatting with her. Like, seriously, the wine was coming out of my nose. <laughs> uh, so your homework for next week is to watch a film from last year, actually. It's a Netflix film. Dumplin'. I know how I'm going to survive my mom's pageant season. She already started her diet. Oh, really? Yeah.
dumpling the other side. Oh, okay, darling, just grab my ankles. Uh -huh. okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Oh, God. My name is Wildeen Dixon. Hey, Wildeen. Hi, Bo. Most people call me Will, except for my mom, who calls me... Dumplin', I can't be late. This cannot exactly drive itself. Being a bit of a celebrity around here meant that she was too busy for me. You've got a hole in your left, by the way. <gasps> what? Oh, she didn't listen to me. Working this must be your daughter. That's my daughter's best friend. This is my daughter, Willa Dean. Wow. Okay. And that's when I decided enough was enough. I know that look. What's going on? I think I'm going to sign up for the pageant. It's going to be like a protest in heels. Willa Dean Opal. Hey, y'all. If you're signing up, I am too. Wait, no, I'm not the Jonah Archifact girls. <laughs> this is going to be so much fun. Totally fun. Pageants are harder than you think. I'm Rosie Dixon's daughter. It runs in my blood. We really have to play to our strengths. My strengths are hula hoop and I can tap dance. He is high and mighty. No, no, uh, stop it. I think I know where we can get some help. What is this place? It's the closest thing you can get to Dolly Parton around here. Oh, wow. Tell me I'm a diva. Jumpin', I don't understand. Why are you doing this? It's a protest. We're trying to make a point. Willa Dean Dixon, I think you're beautiful. To hell with anyone else who's ever made you feel less than that. There's nothing in the rules that says big girls need not apply. I've got myself into something, but now I don't know what I'm doing. You know that Dolly saying, figure out who you are and do it on purpose. And here I go. Viva la revolution, baby. That was truly a surprise. Our guest next week is one of my absolute favorites, a returning guest, and she's an author of a new YA book that's right up our alley here at the High School Slumber Party, Jenna Guillaume. I cannot wait. Oh, and by the way, no, I did not forget about the March Through March Marching Band Awareness Month. I'm still aware of the marching band, or marching bands in general. You know what I mean. I just couldn't get the guest I wanted together in time to record this podcast. But don't worry, they'll be on next week. Scout's Honor. So please don't forget to check out all the other great shows on the Cage Club Podcast Network. You know that's cageclub.me, that's cageclub.me, including my other show, P.S. I Love Hoffman, the Philip Seymour Hoffman Podcast. We're doing a lot of fun stuff there, so you want to check that out. And binge that one. Also binge this one. Binge all the shows on cageclub.me. I leave you with... Come on. You didn't think all this talk of Cage Club and Nicolas Cage that I would skip the chance for us to hear Nicolas Cage's beautiful singing voice. It's off the Peggy Sue Got Married soundtrack. He don't love you. Get Cusack to unblock us. Later, dudes.